All right, welcome back to Doors of the Mind. Today we are going to be breaking down the second book in the Wheel of Time series, Book Two, The Great Hunt by Robert Jordan. How are you doing today, Robbie? Good. So for you guys who didn't join us for the last one, um, I have already read through the entire series. This is my second read through. And here, Kyle is a novice. Yeah, I'm young buck. I'm a full-on noob reading through the book, trying to keep track of different characters, different places. Um, jumping right in. For example, the prologue to the book follows Boars as or no, a man who goes by Boars, as he's with some dark friends getting some orders from Baselman. And um to my knowledge, is that not right? But, but Alzaman. Oh, whatever. <laughs> um, and as far as I know, Boars never showed up in the book again. Maybe there was one scene with them, but unless like he's actually patent fame, which I don't think he is, it's like I don't know who this guy is. I don't remember him ever showing up again in the whole book. I don't think he ever played a role. He's supposed to like watch for people somewhere, watch for the you know the three young men. I don't remember ever showing up again. So it's just stuff like that where I'm trying to keep track of who these people are, who matters, who's just a random character. Yeah. Uh, hot take. I don't really believe in this. I, I don't even think it's possible considering the events that took place. What if Boris was an Ingtar? I did think of that. Um, I don't think well, it's possible. Because I, the Ingtar, if I'm even saying his name right, I think it's Ingtar. Yeah, How do you say Ingtar? Ingtar. Okay, Ingtar. So, so if you have to say it with more like grandiose. He's, Ing, or like Ingtar. Yeah, because he's, like he's a bad man. Yeah. Well, he's an actual bad man. Yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah. But. Heartbreaking. But yeah, I thought about it and I went back there and I looked at that part just because I was like, you know, I don't think he ever came up again. And he just doesn't seem to have an attitude at all. That would be like, I'm doing this in order to save you know the greater good to save the people that doesn't seem to be boris's attitude whereas i do believe that that is ingtar's attitude that's a good point and also he was there during the fight for Faldok dara mm -hmm. when you know they're in the past and then ram shows up in the last book and you know just kills the entire like yeah other army basically right before he gets whiffs off to Ball Osman's place, however you say Ball. I like Bay, Bay, Bay. I don't know how I say it. Bayzelman. Yeah. Whatever. However you say. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, um, just trying to get through this series. I definitely enjoyed the book. Um, I thought the action was good. It really amazes me how in these books there's so much plot, and then the big scenes are like four pages you know like in most books i feel like when you hit that climactic battle it's like three chapters 70 pages of like different details it's like no this this book is just building a story and then these little instances just happen through it in like the course of three pages you know yeah but i would say so i've always described this book as a one big chase like you know those one big hunt uh, <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I guess you get it in the title. But I've always likened it to, like, a like a movie where, you know those, like, James Bond movies where you have those epic car chases mm-hmm. and they last, like, 10 or 15 minutes? Yeah. Like, I've always described this book as it's just, like, a long version of that where it's this epic chase. The whole time. Like, yeah. yeah, pretty much the entire book. Like, after you get through the first 100 pages where they're in Faldara and Patent Fame gets loose, which Patent Fame, by the way, is just, I think he's a fantastic uh, uh, antagonist. Right. I think he's incredible. Like, one of the best written antagonists. He's so just evil to the core. Mm-hmm. Even Maureen is like... Yeah, he's become something much worse than just a dark fiend. Right, the just... the combination of being a dark friend and then being, like, corrupted and sh- shall ghoul yeah. makes him very interesting. Like, sure. Padden Fane as an antagonist, and he's here throughout. I don't want to ruin anything. I mean, but... he didn't die in this book. No. That's the only thing that did surprise me in this book was, uh, you know, Padden Fane's supposed to be waiting at Tommen's head. And I never saw Pat and Fane at Tommen's head. So that was one thing that I was like, I was like, is, you know, at the end of the book, Rand has the battle with Ba'azelmon, Ba'azelmon. For one second, I was like, I know he's supposed to re- to reach Pat and Fane. I was like, is Pat and Fane actually Ba'azelmon? But I don't, again, I don't think that could be it. But I am like, I know he was supposed to be waiting there for him, and he wasn't there. So what's up with that? My lips are sealed. <laughs> yeah. In regards Good. to that. But I do have a theory. I guess my theory. You're weighing whether it contains spoilers or Yeah, not. I'm like, I'm like trying to listen. I don't think it ruins anything. I never had the theory that Pen and Fame was about out Asmon. So it didn't really matter. So this doesn't really ruin anything. So I think the reason Patent Fame wasn't there, but Bal Asmon was, was that he's still using Patent Fame as kind of a dark friend. He's still using Mm -hmm. him to lead Rand essentially where he wants him. Right, so Patent Fame might not have full control. I mean, he kind of talked at the beginning of the book about being like, torn between being two people you know and he kind of has like fits where he's out of it so right was that one of those fits yeah so i mean kind of back to my analogy one of the reasons i really this is one of my favorite real time books it's a great chase they're just constantly running one thing to the next there's so there's so much mystery there's the waystone portals Mm -hmm. that they're going through which is crazy. Tons of mystery with that. Yeah. There's Celine, which is a big mystery until the, the right. end of the it. strange woman with a power over all these men. Exactly. Who, and you're seeing who's these, alive in the ways. Yeah. Yeah. And you see this strange creature who's in this other world when they first go through. Uh-huh. And then they end up at uh, Cairn. Uh, mm-hmm. And. Yeah, While the, they're there, she the like grown. disappears. Yeah, the grown. But they, it, you find out later, it's the sea chain creatures. Right. 
So there's there's so much mystery right and intrigue how. that partially gets fulfilled at the end, but a lot of the time, like I think what Robert Jordan was really doing here was kind of opening up the world, the rest of much of the world. It gets mm-hmm. opened up even further in the next two books. But he really opens up the world for us to see so much more that we didn't see, but he does it in this way that involves in a way that makes sense the not only the plot moving forward but also the characters kind of experiencing the world for the first time yeah i agree with that um i'm already seeing you know like elements of the worlds you know like this is going to be a massive tale i'm sure just knowing how many books are in it and seeing how um there's the elements of them living multiple lives and really seeing who they are at their core that was really good for like both character development and, you know, I don't expect them to like travel to another world where there's another Randolph Thor in this series necessarily, but just seeing how vast everything is that there's hundreds, thousands, millions, whatever copies of them all living through this life and how this is the one story where, you know, they seem to be making the right choices. Yeah. Keeps me interested for sure. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. So, who do you think Celine was at first? Um, I was... And how confused were you? What was that like, reading it for the first right. time? Right. So, I did not have any theories on who she was. You know, I had totally forgotten what Patton Fane had written on the walls when he had been uh, rescued. Um, so, I'm reading through Lorraine it. And mentions, because she's kind of whisked away to this like private place mm-hmm. with Landron and um, she, somewhere in the dialogue she's having with one of the Asadi, she mentions Lanfear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So as I'm reading it, you know, I did not remember that stuff. So I'm reading it and I'm okay. This woman was in distress and they saved her. So, okay, maybe she's going to be an asset. But then, like, whenever any woman just keeps, like, enticing these men, you're like, oh, this has to be a manipulative thing, right? How they, like, keep being obsessed with her beauty and how she, like, makes them do what she wants them to do, kind of. And it's like, okay, she's helping, she helps them to escape, basically, so that's positive. But then she, like, keeps saying, like, oh, you picture me at your side holding the horn and, like, Definitely some sexual innuendo there. Um, <laughs> the sexual tension is strong. But I'm like... I think you know, they'll fix that in the show, by the way. <laughs> won't be part of it. Well, I think it'll be much more a part of it. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll see. Catch my drift. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I I viewed her as a bad person. I thought she was going to try to steal the horn because she kept saying, like, let me touch the horn or let me see the horn. <laughs> Stuff like that. But I'm like, okay, she's clearly uh, manipulating here. So I didn't... And then the big thing, too, was... And she, like, addresses him for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Rand's very cautious about women seeing him naked throughout... There's the earlier parts <laughs> he's, in Faldara. He's just embarrassed constantly. Yeah. He's just like, oh, God, no, 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 but... Yeah, but no. I'm in this other world. Like, we might die any moment, but, like, turn around. <laughs> yeah. But the the thing that really tipped me off was her being bad was when they are out of the Waystones and 
I forget if it's Ingtar or who's approaching. I think they're maybe just with like his forces. She's like, there's too many people here. I have to go. That made me think like, okay, you don't want to be recognized for something. And that's why you're leaving. Um, That was the first, like, you might be evil. And then just the fact that they couldn't find her again. So, yeah, I remember my first time reading it being like, well, there's clearly something off. But I really can't tell whether or not she's good, she's bad. I had no idea the first time reading. And then I was like, oh, my God, she's Lynn Fierce. Well, she's one of the Forsaken. One, once I read that at the end, I immediately started, like, just flipping back, trying to find. And then eventually I found that prophecy and was like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Like, they're saying, you know, like, how many times has she already tempted him and killed him? This woman is coming for him. Like, that was all excellently done. It was layered it was layered really well. I didn't pick up on it while I was reading it. And afterwards, you're like, ooh, let's look back and see all the build to this. Yeah, she, she's certainly one of the more fascinating Forsaken um, in terms of her motives and where her story ends up. She'll definitely end up playing a bigger role in the future. And you'll kind of get more of that as we continue to read. Um, one thing you brought up was she brought up how or it's brought up how she may have killed him in the past or mm. has had this love affair with him in the past what do you think that's that's about you know about alzamon keeps calling him loose theron uh-huh. the when they sound the horn when that sounds the horn which is important because if you remember only yeah. the person who sound the horn uh, can sound it again so i, I did re- so the horn is Matt's. I did read that and I was like, wait, Matt's really about to do this. And I thought nothing would happen. And then, nope, it worked. Um, but yeah, I mean, after I'm... Hawking comes back, calls him loose, Darren. So, what do you think? I mean, think it's happening. It, What's your guess? To me, there seems to be an obvious like reincarnation scale going on where, for whatever reason, this battle is happening time and time again. Um, and then I assume that Luz Theron keeps losing, but not ever giving in to the Dark One and joining him. So therefore, he is reincarnated again and again and again. I am confused on how Lanfear has been alive multiple times. I thought the Forsaken were kind of just now being loosed into the world. So like, how has she been around to kill him multiple times? That kind of threw me. Um, also, I definitely did like a, like, I was like, wait, is this going to be like in Harry Potter where like Tom Riddle and like, I am Lord Voldemort, like Tom, Tom Marvello Riddle spells out, I am Lord Voldemort. When you rearrange the letters with Randall Thor and Luz Theron, I forget the other name with it, but the letters did not add up, but. I thought that was going to be a coincidence that wasn't there. I don't know if I should be offended you bringing up Harry Potter or. (laughs) Listen, it was when I read that part when I was like, you know, 13, my mind was blown like it had never been. So. So I can. I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think this this ruins anything. 
but there's been multiple ages. Okay, right, because they're in the third age, maybe? Second or third? Possibly, but there's been multiple iterations of this battle, like you've said. And I think they brought this up, but the Forsaken are kind of able to be turned and swear allegiance to the Dark Lord, and they kind of get a sort of eternal life, and they keep binding them back. And so those seals... Mm-hmm. Are important so they an brought, important factor. So they brought up that, in the book that three of the seals were broken. Yeah. So as those seals, the swindler, however you say it. Yeah. As those seals break, the layers to the you know evil dark lord, whatever. Right. They keep getting thinner and thinner, mm-hmm. and so more and more the forsaken are able to kind of actually escape, come out. Influence the world, that kind of thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, So I don't think that ruins anything, but maybe that helps clarify some of it. It does, yeah. Because I was just like, how has she done this? But then also, I mean, it seems like the the horn's been sounded many, many times because they, when um, when he sounds it, and uh, who comes back? uh, Is it? Arthur, Arthur Hawking, Hawking, right? He says, like, I've fought alongside you many times and I've killed you many times. So there's a whole nother layer where I'm like, right. why did that happen? Was it that you were going to the Dark One? So he took you out? I don't know. Well, I wonder there, if it's possible that in a previous time that maybe a Dark Friend had sounded the horn or maybe one of Right, because the, they said they'll fight alongside whoever sounds the horn exactly so it's not like they have control over which makes me also like, wonder then why didn't pat and fane just blow the horn as soon as he got it like well uh, if you remember it was in the, the trunk oh that's right he couldn't unlock it until he was with and he was unable he didn't know how to unlock it right and then the seat chair right knew how to actually unlock it whoever that dude was i the scene <laughs> chen lord Torok. Right. The scene chan is on a whole other people where I'm like, I don't really know who they are, what their agenda is. So it, it mentions it briefly in the book, but they are descended, directly descended from Arthur Hawking. Okay. I forget if it mentioned it last book or the or this book. And then but his it, goal it was briefly to... mentions how they went out west to explore new lands. I almost think of it as like Christopher Columbus or something going. <laughs> Even though he wasn't the first one, if we're historically, I mean, all that, yeah. whatever, it's it works for this analogy. So Christopher Columbus, you know, goes out west, finds America. It's kind of like that, of kind of how I picture it as mm. he sent people out west, and then they formed a whole society, and, and they, so they have this whole different society, and then they come back east. To kind of reclaim right. the land. And they somehow have access to other worlds and they can tame the Grom and all that. I don't know how much they have access to other worlds. Well, I'm just assuming they're pulling the Grom from somewhere and taming them. And they all have monsters, so I don't know. There's just all that where I'm like, I assume the Grom do not exist in this world. They have. Well, they could have, they could have been um, like. Inhabitants of the other lands the and land stuff. So, yeah. 
quest. That's fair. So it's it's not like it's too far fetched to be like, oh, there were different creatures here and yeah. they found a way to tame them. One yeah. question I have is how does Val Alzamon continue to come back after Rand has already defeated him once? Yeah, that I have no idea. Like, you know, the first book ended, I'm like, oh, he beat him. Done. Nope. And then, like, Moiraine was, like, I think told Rand, like, it's not that simple. And then, he, you know, killed him again in this book. I'm hoping this one's done. But uh, <laughs> I kind of doubt it. Just it seems like a very important character. I don't know how you get, like, the final death. I know there's some horcruxes in my right, Robbie. Uh, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't really know how he is living. But he's clearly coming back again. There's a, there's a lot of reincarnation stuff going on here. And I don't know enough about the magic system, honestly, to say, like, that yeah, this makes sense to me. It will expand more of it. I mean, I, I appreciate that this book is laying a huge foundation and not going into every detail in the beginning, you know? Yeah. Like, we don't have a mana bar, and it's like, you have this <laughs> much magic to use. It's, like, way more complicated. Yeah, this is an... Uh... Oh, one one thing your, about the magic system. Your, go on. R, what was it? RTS books. That oh, my lit were. RPGs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those are the best. Uh, some of my readers out there are getting the lit RPGs. Yeah, um, actually, the way we came up with this whole podcast is Kyle was telling me about his lit what, RPGs. RPGs, and I was like, dude. You just got to dip into the real thing here. You're like, that sounds lame, but I would like to talk fantasy with you. <laughs> Which is so funny. Like a huge fantasy nerd like me being like, oh, dude, RPG, come on. We'll review one one day. Yeah, I'm sure we'll need to, right? Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll probably have to the at one, some point. The one magic thing in this book that I did kind of not like was that um, Nynaeve all of a sudden knew how to break the chains of the domine i was like how'd you know how to do that i felt like how they built those things up was like these are unbreakable like unstoppable yeah, awful it, controllers and she's just like the guy can break it and bam broke it first <laughs> try like what well it's what plays into the whole fascinating part of the fact that the ones controlling these Asadi that are chained can actually channel. Mm -hmm. And so it plays into that whole effect of, oh my God, you have to channel to be able to unlock these. Yeah, And then they realize, oh my God, this is dangerous for their, what their entire society is built upon right. is based upon a lie. And since it's based upon a lie, their entire entire like governmental system could be toppled like that right you know just so quickly because you could chain one of them yeah and, and so it it really it really kind of leads into a much bigger yeah i mean let, let's jump into that i think that the the whole story with Egwene following following her being made into a domine I think that was the most interesting part in the whole book. Like my heart was sad for her. I was outraged at how awful the treatment was of her. That's so like, strange because I was just thrilled. 
But like I, I thought that Egwene was gonna be in this position for like a whole nother book, you know, like she's gonna be just this tortured person where like she says like whips attacking her. She said that she made her feel what it'd be like to be in a pot of boiling water, like just awful treatment where she's viewed as just like yep you are my slave you own nothing you will have no joy like that part like i was so sad and i'm like she's gonna be like this for a while and then i was thrilled just every time there's any kind of progress you know and like i thought that whole arc was like great plot development and then at the end you know we see Egwene is not as nice as she once was like she now has lost some of that innocence, which I love because um, when they freed her and they left those two other, um, the Sudai, is that what they're called? The handlers. Right. And they left them there. Like, I'm like, I never like when you leave a villain alive, but I like that Gwen was like, let's torture them and like do these awful things. Like she is broken. Then she comes outside, you know, you're like, okay, she left those people. Let's see how they escape now. And immediately she's just like, let me use what they taught me against them now. And like upheaves the land. And I'm like, ooh, let's see this new power force come in, mess some people up. Like I'm down for that. Yeah. Yeah. Egg wings torture is definitely heartbreaking. Um, And, but what's cool is that whole scenario. It's kind of the, the, um, crucible to which you really start seeing Nineveh's power. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my god, she's she's strong. Oh, I do love too that she can't picture like a little nice flower. She's got to picture like a <laughs> yeah. black thorn. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, she's ooh. yeah, uh, fierce. And fierce. Unfortunately, some of her fierceness annoys me in later books, but. For now, it works. And, yeah, you start to see Edwin and how she can start using the power to battle. And you start kind of picturing in your mind, oh, my God, this could be this could be so much bigger. This could be, right. you know. As she unlocks more and more access to the uh, Sadim or Sadar? Uh, Sadar. Sadar. Yeah, she, you know, gets more access to that, gets used in battle. Like, I like it because these people who, you know, in the first book, they all have access to these powers, but don't really use them. And now they're starting to get, like, a nice build going where I don't think they're too rapidly doing it. You know, they're not, like, these unstoppable forces, but they're gaining power. They're becoming more able. So I like that progression for sure. Yeah. All right. So a couple more things to talk about. The betrayal. There's two big betrayals. And then Nineveh's trial. Oh, Nineveh's trial. The, the training trial. Yeah. So some big things to discuss there. All right. I'm trying to remember it all. I can remember her third trial. Um, are you saying you want to take a quick break and then we'll jump back into those? Yeah. Let's do that. All right. We'll be back. Um, in a minute, you won't notice because we're going to stream our episodes together. But we're going to take a quick break. All right, so we've poured new drinks. We're ready to jump back into 
the second book in Robert Jordan's series, The Great Hunt. I may have just removed my phone from covering my book so I can make sure I got the title right. <laughs> but uh, I knew it. I knew it. His best friends call him Bob Jordan. <laughs> if, if you oh, know him really well. Fun fact. Good Bob, Bob Jor. Too bad. He's, he's not my he's, Yeah, you revealed that in the last one. Yeah, it's sad. You won't be coming on the podcast. May he rest in peace. If if you'd been alive, he definitely would have been. Hey, he would have wanted hey, to be on this podcast. One of these days, we might get an author on our podcast. It could happen. So, Brandon Sanderson, if you're listening, come join our podcast. Um, Brent Weeks, anyone else who I really like? Yeah. Yes. Or if come, you're like a new, come join. If you're a new author, answer our questions. You want. 20 to 30 lessons. <laughs> Check us out. That's that's generous. <laughs> Those lessons are coming soon. <laughs> so, anyways, the great hunt. So, let's kick it off with the betrayals. All right. So, the main one I'm thinking of is I assume you're referencing Leandrin's betrayal of the girls, correct? Yes. Yeah. So. That's- one of them. Yeah. So looking at that part, you know, I, I love Min's character. Um, just that she was like, you know, I can see danger around you. And she didn't really know what was up. And, you know, us having read the earlier part where Leandrin is searching for Rand and Faldara. And, you know, like she's part of the Black Aja. Well, that's that's huge, right? The Black Aja actually becoming something. Because they kept being like, well, it's myth. It's not really real. Right. And then um, and then it's clearly shown that, yes, this is real. And they acknowledge it, which even they said acknowledging it was a crazy thing to do. Right. Moraine's like, you need to be careful in the White Tower. It's not, you know. But you, you're just kind of thinking as you're reading it, like, oh, this is like talking about the politics or like. Uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is like, does Moraine know there's Black Aja? If that's the case, does the Amaralian seat know that there's Black Aja? If that is the case, I mean, I, it, it seems to me like all the Asadi are, or not all, but like their organization is in trouble. Like they are not united. The Amaralian seat is at risk. Moraine and the Emerald Sea are hiding their agenda because they know that they don't have like the overall support of everyone where they're like, we understand these prophecies and the significance of we need to protect Rand and let him become who he's supposed to be. But everyone else is just like set on like, if you find a man, we're going to gentle him. Like at least the red Aja for sure. Yeah, I guess and that's it true. It seems like maybe Maybe the Green Archer? Maybe? I mean, it just seems like the overall organization is not united. That's and definitely that true. The Amarillion sure. seat yeah. was at risk for just, I don't know, being having her ploys that they were like, we have to keep the secret. So that was really interesting. Right, but it's a huge reveal. Black Asha, oh my God, the Dark Friends have come into the White Tower. Mm-hmm. What kind of games are they playing? Who are they manipulating? What are they manipulating? them for how many of them are 
yeah, yeah. Are they some of the ones training? If I remember correctly, when Boris is at that meeting, there's two Asadi there. Oh yeah, that's so true. I'm assuming that one is Leandrin. That means there's someone else to be revealed. Um, it's a good. I point. I think that's a good point. I kind of <clears throat> skipped past that on my second read through. I always kind of read that as like, oh, they're like rogue. Asadi, mm-hmm. but you're probably right. One of them is probably Leandro. While reading, um, when like Varen seems to be a good character, but just the fact when Moraine seemed kind of troubled by why Varen went after Rand, it and like Varen, you know, is in on the plot. She knows who Rand is. It did make me think a little bit. Like, is she actually? seeking her own agenda and all of this. I don't think so because I think that Varen is a good character, but I, at the same time, it's like this could be set up for this to me a little bit. Just the fact that there's some confusion as to why she's doing this and that I know there's at least one more Black Ajah. Yeah. Were you seeing the betrayal of Leandrin? Actually, were you seeing that as something that could happen as she's trying to get Egwene and oh, yeah. escaping I mean, from the White Tower. As soon as she appeared to them and said, you know, we're going to go to Tomenhead and do this stuff, immediately I flipped back to make sure that Leandrin was who I thought she was. It's like, yes, yeah, she's the person who's seeking Rand. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that is the right person because, you know, names are confusing. There's so many people. But and I'm like, oh, this is going to go awfully. And then it went worse than I thought with like just how evil the Domine were. And what was even more confusing was I didn't even see what Leandrin benefited from doing this. I don't know if she just has been told that like Egwene and Nynaeve could be great and powerful. So that therefore you need to like, you know, get them taken care of. I'm not sure. And there was something where like, it's just be taken away from Toman's head. Um, so they were gonna be like, like, I think she received instructions to make sure they were gone because she was like battling with the main woman who was there when they went and was saying like, these people need to go. And she, the other one was like, no, I'm going to take my one and get out of here. I don't really care about the other. So there's just a lot going on there where I didn't see how it benefited Leandrin, but I assume she's working off just orders from, Bayezaman and or the Dark One or whatever, whoever it is that gives her her orders, and that she doesn't even know the benefit to her. She's just, you know, been compromised. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fascinating. So, what about Intar's betrayal? Okay, I assume that's what you meant by the second. (laughs) But I don't know if I saw it as a betrayal. Being subtle. Yeah, I don't know if I saw it as a betrayal. Oh, it was totally a betrayal. He just he just actually comes out with it at the end of the book. But I mean if he would have got the dark or the horn earlier, he would have blown it and would have used those forces against them. Yeah. So he was definitely trying to So you're saying his motivation for finding the horn was not from the charge from the Amir well, well, I'm remembering now that his whole motivation for getting the horn was to right his wrong. 
So he may have not, but he did betray them in the beginning by allowing uh, Patton Fane out, which caused the whole problem. Oh, he let Patton Fane out? Yeah, who else would have done it? I guess that's fair. I assume maybe Trolloc said no, infiltrated. No, he, he was definitely the one who allowed Patton Fane out. You're right, because they and said, then, like, someone killed the guards. It must have been someone friendly who, like, had come to them. Ooh. Right, I, so he, he... killed his own men. Yes, so he killed his own men. He had an arrow shot at Rand. Yeah. Um, and so his whole... He felt so guilty. He was like, I need to get the horn back. So, yes, that I, was his motivation, but... Also, who knows what would have happened if he actually got in the horn. Right. Still, even though that's what he said, it's like, well, what do we know? And so you get to the ending. You find out, oh, my God. You start, like, I remember first reading that and having to do, like, a double take. Right. Wait, are you kidding me? I I reread the whole dialogue, like, three times. Because he's such a cool character and he's so well-respected and you think of him as like, I will have the horn because I've been charged by it. I am duty bound. I care about my people. But yeah, but it was also weird. Like you could tell there was like he was driven by something so hard. I mean, yeah, there was. He kept like it was almost a obsession with like the horn. He like needed that the horn. Yes. Yeah, I mean, were you heartbroken? By his confession? I I wasn't just because I totally understood where he was coming from. Like, reading the lines about how the bordermen are just battling and no one acknowledges it. Everyone thinks it's a, like the Trollocs and the Myrdrail are just a myth. And he said, you know, I decided I'd rather see um, basically it used for wrong to save people versus all of us being wiped out. I wish there had been a little bit more development there, but I don't know. I just was like, that's where you're coming from. And he never did anything evil to Rand. You know, it's like in the moment where it mattered, he chose to follow the light basically and said, you know, I think I could turn, a, I was always hoping I could turn to light at any moment. And then Rand gives him the last rights basically at the border man. That part like hit my heart. Like, yeah. I expect this show is going to draw that out a lot more, kind of hinting at the deceit in him and showing him as like a redemptive dark friend. I don't know. I I did not feel betrayed. I was very surprised, but I still felt like he had a noble death. Right. I didn't feel, feel betrayed. I remember the first time reading it. I think I actually cried. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's so heartbreaking. Like his one point of redemption is standing his ground and losing his life. It's yeah. Like, you know, there's a heartbreaking aspect to that. Like, Absolutely. Like I remember first reading it and being like, Oh my god, I I love Intar. Like yeah. you know, you get that duty, that sense of duty, I think the first time you read it, and then the second time you read it, you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, now I remember. You're like you're not a good dude. Yeah. You, like betrayed your people. You're doing this for the wrong motives mm-hmm. and all this stuff. 
and so the second time it didn't really affect me because I knew what was coming and I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. He, he was the one. I mean, I was thoroughly shocked. I thought this man was, I thought it was a good twist. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was, I I like a twist. That's not so foreshadowed that you see it coming, you know? Right. It's like Leandrin's twist was obvious to me. It's like, no, this person, they've laid the groundwork that she is not going to be good and she's going to screw these people over versus his was just out of nowhere. So I appreciate that there's like both, you know? Yeah. We're getting villains that are obvious, villains that are not obvious, redemption, people still staying dark. Like there's just a whole bunch of different elements going on. And I appreciate the diversity there. Yeah. And there's some more twists that come up later in the book. No way. <laughs> I know, crazy. But I mean in a book so filled with prophecy, you kind of see a lot of things coming. And yet what's so interesting about it is, I'll put it this way, some of the prophecy is manipulated. Yeah. Not like the prophecy itself is manipulated, like the prophecy is true. But the way that prophecy is used is not what you think. Like I might try to compile a list of the prophecies so that as I keep reading I can remember which ones are put out there. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. But I remember first reading and being like, oh, my God, all these prophecies. And I kind of know, you know, what's where this is headed, more or less. But there's some really good twists and turns to where you think it's headed. And maybe it even heads the direction you think it does. But the way it gets there is really good, really unique, fascinating. Um. So what do you think about Nineveh's trial? Okay, so I'm trying to remember. I can think of two of the three. So there's the one where she's back in Edmonds Field, and everyone's talking about how the new wisdom is awful, and she's, like, killed children, and she has to, like, choose to leave versus becoming the wisdom again. Then there's the trial where she's married to Lan and just, happy like that's heartbreaking just a blessed life like she's happy to have i think they have children yeah like a whole family and what was the first trial uh there was that forsaken from the first book um that's right and they're in the maze yeah and they're like throwing lightning at each other and stuff yeah i mean well i i thought both the second and the third were like heartbreaking just for this person hates the Asadi. She hates that her people have been taken from her. And then her trials are choosing to reject the things that she cares about most. Like that is completely savage. So that was heartbreaking. And then there's also the element that they were told that she's told by the other Asadi, don't channel during these. Like people have channeled these come back without the ability to, but she was able to channel in her trials. So does that point to some kind of weakening of the veil or does that point to a special power that she has? Um, Cause yeah, she's different in terms of like her power comes through her anger. That's unique. And yeah, I'm curious to see where that's going to go. I assume it's going to be more about her being unique than the test having like veils weakened and failing. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, at the 
end of the day or whatever, it's it was just a trial. And the whole point of the trial was to show the past, the present, the future. Right. Um, and so somehow going through this, um, what was it called? It wasn't an angrel. It was a tur angrel. Yeah. There's a difference between, there's like three levels. And so um, by going through this, you know, she wrestled with her past demon having been the forsaken, mm-hmm. her current demon, so to speak, yeah. Edmunds Field, and essentially being like, I am abandoning Edmunds Field. That is gone. Right. And the possibility of a future. It's uh, her lover boy. Yeah, with land. I assume they're going to get together. I really do, but we'll see. I won't ruin anything in regards to them. Um, and so, yeah, there's, man, that part is is heartbreaking. And I think one of the things I really love about this book is it kind of pulls out your heartstrings at certain points. It really, really does. Really hits you, you know, in the gut with some of these very human, very, you know, we can relate like, oh man, if I was in that position, how difficult would that be? Right. She could have lived a lifetime out with him, like just there and been happy. Which I, I've got a theory that maybe those terrain grill pulled them into something that's like a waystone. Yeah. Like it's the world, other world. Possibility. Yeah, I agree. So they seem to connect in um, some way. So my my theory is that it pulls them into one of those different worlds. And it's kind of a different way to do that. Yeah. Which I think would, would make sense. I agree. Yeah. Should we get into our overall analysis of the book? Oh, should we? Yeah. So, should we ever? So I'll go first. Um, I like this book really drew me in, especially in the second half. Once I got to the second half of this book, I read it through it real quick. I couldn't put it down. Um, I thought that there was a lot of depth to it in terms of like multiple characters. I really cared about who are going through troubling situations. And I wanted to know like, how are they going to get out of this? You know, will they get out of this? What's going to happen to them? Um, there's multiple characters where I was confused as to what was happening to them, you know, talking about Celine being there for Rand, with Rand. And I was like, you know, how is she going to influence him? And as the book flashes through each character, you know, every time it switched, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Like, I need to know what's going on with this character now. So I was always happy with the switches. So it really drew me in. There's really no part that I thought was like, oh, this person's story is kind of boring right now. I don't really care. Like, let's get back to the other. Every part was like, finally, more details on this character. I've been waiting to see what happened. And uh, yeah, so I like that. And I also just liked that there are certain elements, such as like Padden Fane being in Tumman's head and not being there, where I kind of like that, where, you know, it's not like each piece is so obviously going to fit together. But now it just leaves more intrigue as to like, well, where is Padden Fane? Why wasn't he there? 
So I liked all of that together. Um, yeah, so it leads me to a point where when I think about the book, I'm going to give it like an 8.5 out of 10. Like it really held my attention. There was some unveiling of the magical system and the world itself. You know, we saw all these different characters lead their hundreds of lives, thousands of lives and oh, talk yeah. about what That's they awesome. saw in themselves in those different lives. Like I thought that was awesome hearing Inktar talk about what he did. And I think Matt talks about what he did a little bit when he says like, I would never betray you to Rand and Rand sees all his different lives. So I just really liked all that. I thought that was excellently layered together. It was a good slow build. Everyone came together in the end in like a really interesting way. So yeah, I thoroughly just enjoyed all of that build and the culmination lived up to the hype. Yeah. Yeah. I would um I would say in terms of plot, um I think Robert Jordan, especially in comparison with some of his other books, keeps the plot moving forward and has some really fast paced pacing in this book which I really enjoy compared to some of his other books in the future where I think things slow down a little bit and he gets a little bit more political. This one seems to be kind of pushing the plot forward, okay. which I really enjoy um, a lot considering some of the other books he's written. Um, in regards to the plot development, I love how worried – Rand is over Matt and how mm -hmm. that's kind of driving him to get this dagger. I love how that's not even really um, that's the whole situation with Matt and the dagger isn't even complete by the end of this book. You're still like what's going to happen with Matt and the dagger. You're kind of left on the cliffhanger with that. Um, even Parents somewhat, a lot less so in this book, but you still get kind of the hesitation he's feeling and how weary he is to go and attack and be willing to be a part of a battle where he's killing people. He's like, mm -hmm. but at the same time, he's accepting more and more, okay, I'm like one of these wolf brethren or wolf talkers, whatever you want to call them. And he's you know, accepting more and more, this is part of who I am, regardless of whether or not I like it or not. So there's some really good character development with that, some really good twists, some really good plot development going on, some additional world building as you realize these, and uh, uh, not, I keep calling it Karen, but Karen Horn or whatever it's called, Karen Hearn, the city they visit, um, oh yeah, yeah, and so you get some plot with, or s some more world building with how their city works and how they're playing this game for you know to become king, mm -hmm. and how Rand is like I refuse to play, but that's playing the game in a way, yeah. and all this stuff. And you see Tom Marilyn again. We forgot oh, to talk about him. So but, glad that he's not dead. Yeah, so he's back and. So there's a lot of unique surprises along with additional world building and Rand starting to accept more so that, okay, 
I might beat the Dragon Reborn, which is the next book title. Oh, is it? Yeah. And so I really not only did I thought this book was like a 9.5 the first time I read it. I think I would give it a slightly less review, reviewed score, having read it a second time. Maybe that's because some of the big twists aren't as exciting as they used to be or I don't know, whatever it is. I would give it a solid nine. Yeah, I, th- I think it's great. I think it still holds up. One of my favorite books in the series um, by far. So, yeah, I think I'd give it a solid nine. nine. Yeah, um, I could get to a nine. I said 8.5. I could see myself saying nine. It was an excellent book through and through. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. So if you guys are keeping up with us and wondering what we have next on the docket, me and Kyle are currently speed reading through Dune. I'm about halfway through already. And let me tell you, this book is awesome. So much fun. And so uh, that will likely be our next book review. We might even review the movie. I don't know yet. Yeah, We'll find out. But what we're really looking forward to is the Wheel of Time TV series coming out on Amazon Prime. And we are going to be reviewing every episode of the Wheel of Time Amazon series. So we are excited to do that. They will probably be likely shorter episodes, but we'll see. Maybe we'll yeah, get we'll, to talking about them. And... Yeah, we'll see how much content they bring. But uh, yeah, we'd love you join us as we go through that, see how it compares to the book, see, you know, do they make this beautiful world in the show where we're just like enthralled by it? Or is there shortcomings compared to the book? We'll see with that for sure. But I'm excited for the show for sure. I feel like I've got a high bar for the show. Like, I'm like, if they don't actually give the book, like, due credit, like, I feel like I'm going to be kind of upset. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping for a, like, Game of Thrones level hype where we're just enthralled with the show. We think they do an excellent job with character development. You can really see the savagery of the world. Hopefully it's like that, excluding the last season. But what's great is that this series has been completed so that if this show is great, the ending will hopefully be great compared to our old uh, Game of Thrones ending, which I don't know. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, I did. I We probably don't have enough time to get into it, but I'll just leave it here. I wasn't disappointed as disappointed as most fans i i'll say a lot of people say the last season is pointless and awful i don't think the last season is awful i think the last two episodes are awful but the first three episodes of the last season i think are amazing and maybe my favorites of the entire show maybe one need to do like a game of thrones (laughs) possibly it might be two too late at this point to even make it worth it. Hey, lucky for our loyal listeners. <laughs> we're going to be running all, this podcast for the next 10 years. All so. two of you. <laughs> yeah, for the next 10 years, this will be going. So we'll cover plenty of content in that time. All right. Thanks for joining us here. We'll uh, catch you next time. Yeah, thank you.